Well, good morning, everybody. It's glad to see everybody. Thank you for swimming to church this morning. That was a lot of rain we had. Wow. Um, how about it for the uh, production and the worship team? They really do an excellent job. It's pretty amazing. Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about, we're doing at the Vine, we're doing the most asked questions, you ask for it series. And uh, one of the questions asked is, which I'm going to try to tackle this morning, which is, why does God allow sin? Now, there's a short answer, and I could do a mic drop and exit stage right. And then there's the longer answer, which you can't fully get through. Um, so the short answer is, to the question, why does God allow sin? The short answer is, he doesn't. And that's that. Um, so the longer version is, first let's start with, as I began to look into this, I had to, I had to think about, well, who was the person that asked the question? Are they a non-believer that's having a lot of frustrations and a lot of bad things happening in the world, and they're looking around wondering why is, you know, why does God allow sin? And they're asking in frustration. Are they a, a new believer that um, is just having to deal with sin in their life, and they're really struggling, and they're like, you know, why did God even allow this? Because you know, I'm struggling, and this is frustrating. He could have just taken it all and been done with it, and we wouldn't have any problems. And so while God is all-powerful and all-knowing and just so wonderful, um, this question typically doesn't come up with mature believers. And so um, for me personally, when I was looking at this, uh, I had to go. I remembered Paul was talking about sin. And uh, so anyways, let's first go and uh, I'm just find out here. I pull up the definition. What is sin? And sin is a transgression against divine law. Um, and that's just that. So, And then also, uh, to quote Charles Spurgeon, uh, he said, no man has anything of his own except his sins. So sin, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And there, sin wasn't in the world at that time. And then Satan decided that he wanted to put himself equal to or above God, and God cast him down to the earth. And at that moment, that is when I believe sin came into the world. Now, Adam and Eve, uh, because they sinned, now all flesh has, is sin. Has, has been born into sin. And so, uh, just here in Romans um, chapter 5, verse 12, and it helps explain that a little bit. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people. So why don't people live forever? Well, it's because of sin. Because all have sinned, and then 13 is not on there, but I'm going to read it anyway. To be sure, sin was in the world before the, world, before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. So, Adam and Eve, and I'm just trying to rationalize this for myself. So, God cast Satan down to the earth. 
Adam and Eve are formed, created. They're in the garden. Satan takes the form of the serpent, talks to Eve. Eve wants to eat from the tree from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Then Adam eats it. And then God comes down into the garden and says, where are you? Now they knew that they had sinned. And it doesn't seem fair that God would punish everyone for the sins of these two. You would think when he clean slated the earth with the flood that he would have dealt with that then too. But what you what a lot of people don't think of is at that point, sin was already in the earth. It was in the earth. It, you, there was no, because Satan was still here. So, um, anyways, and I'm just having a little confusing thought run through my mind, so bear with me, I'm sorry. Uh, let's go on to, um, oh, if you have the Bible app, it's really handy. Uh, this is going to be from Romans chapter 9 and verse 22. And I don't think this was on the grocery list. And I apologize to our crew that sets all this up. But this popped into my head this morning that I should uh, read this to you. It says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and then the 23rd verse, and that he might make known his riches of glory on the vessels of mercy with which he had afore prepared unto glory. So, if God did not allow sin, would we know him? I, I heard a great analogy the other day if you had a billionaire friend, and this billionaire friend just constantly, daily, just gave you just unimaginable gifts. Every day of your life, you just got a new Ferrari or, or a check or, or some other fantastic gift every single day. Would you know that they loved you? Wouldn't you take them for granted? You know what I mean? So God... It's like, how are we going to know him if, if there's not sin? Our need, we don't recognize our sin unless it's pointed out to us. And that's where the law comes in. Because we have the law, that's what tells us that, you know, that's what points, that's what convicts us. That's what lets us know that, that we're sinners. And um, Christ is the, the, the word of the Lord is what convicts us of sin through the Holy Spirit. Let's us know that, hey, we're not perfect. And so, thank you, game show host. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, the, the, I really struggle with that, uh, this whole question about it. Um, you know, as a non-believer, you look at the world and all the bad things going on, and you're like, why is God allowing this? And it's, I, I used to tell a friend of mine, everything happens for two reasons, God's glory and our joy. Now you're thinking, well, 
how can all this that's going on be for, my, for our joy? And so the day is coming when Christ returns and there's judgment upon the earth. And for believers, that will be for our joy because we'll, we, we will rejoice that we have been delivered and set free. So anyways, it's, it's not God's will that any of us should perish. You know, he, he knew when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, now all sin is, is, you know, all men are born in sin. And that's because of the flesh. And so Paul is talking about in Romans and... Uh, Excuse me right quick. And we move on. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, what Paul realized is, is that there is, you have the physical body, and then you have the spirit within that physical body. Now, the physical body, because of sin, is going to die. And it's, that's just the way it is. That's the way it's, you know, it has to be that way, because the flesh is corrupted, because it's born in sin because of Adam and Eve. But the spirit, it too was condemned with the flesh. And that's why the Lord came. That's why God made a way for us. So that our spirits might be saved. Our flesh is going to die. It's going to turn to dust. But our spirits, that we may yet live after our physical bodies die. And that's why Christ came. And Paul struggled a lot because his spirit, he was saved. He knew the Lord personally. He walked with him on the earth, and yet he found himself sinning against God and against his, you know, the commandments of God and the, the, the law that the Lord brought in his word. So I'm going to go ahead and read right quick from Romans chapter 7 and starting with verse 14 we know that the law is spiritual but I am unspiritual now that little part right there we know that the law is spiritual to me that just said, you know that tells me that the law came from God because man on his own is not going to make it up right so God had to reveal the law to man otherwise we wouldn't have it because man in our selfishness and our nature we we're, we would just go off and do whatever we wanted and that's what I believe they were doing in the time of Noah except for Noah who found favor with God um, I guess he just said you know what this isn't right I don't want any part of it and so anyways sold as a slave to sin I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Now, how many of us have been there? I certainly have. I know what's right, but I want to do what's wrong. And so I go and do what's wrong. And it's almost like you can't help yourself. Well, what's up with that? Well, that's the flesh. That's the power that the flesh has. 
and it seeks for its own destruction. It's strange, but true. We, we, the, the flesh is determined to have its own way. And to say no to our flesh is really, really, really tough. And sometimes, as you're going along, and you, you have this thought pop in your head, because that's where sin starts. It starts with a thought in your head. And then, as it grows, and then you have this desire to act out on that sin, to do what you know is not right. And then you go and do it. That is sin. Now, it's kind of... It's kind of confusing, but anyways, we'll get, we'll, get, we'll get to it. So, verse 16 says, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me that sinful nature that we're born with. It's inside every one of us. We're born with it. You don't believe it? Look at an infant when they're two years old, three years old, all the way up. Parents are telling their children no. Parent children rebel. That's sin. That's the flesh. Surely their spirit doesn't want to do that, right? But yet they do it. Because their flesh is dominating them at that age. And when a lot of people get to be my age, the flesh still dominates sometimes. And it's a struggle. And so, we'll carry on here. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. See, there's no good in the flesh. All of your flesh on its own, what good can it do? None. Nothing. It's the spirit inside of you that gives you the desire to do good. And even sinners can do good. Right? So, let's take, uh, I don't know, somebody named John. And John is a sinner. John has never accepted Christ, and yet he's still a pretty good person. You know, he goes to work, he's responsible, he pays for his food at the grocery store, he doesn't shoplift, he donates to people every now and then, he has compassion on them because they look like they're in more need than he is. And that is his spirit, you know, that's his heart. And so, but his flesh, a lot of people don't care. A lot of people could care less about the poor. A lot of people could care less about the drug addict or the wars and the, you know, helping out with, like some, uh, the uh, Operation Christmas uh, child thing that we're, getting, that we're doing. Um, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. And so that's the flesh dominating the spirit. And what we have to do is, is... The Holy Spirit convicts us. It touches our hearts. That, that spirit within us, it touches that. And it says, if you just, you know, if you believe in me, 
I'll forgive you. It's the, the flesh is, is doomed. But the spirit doesn't have to be doomed because they're two separate within one. And so a lot of people don't think about their spirit within them. They, they just care for only this, what this wants. They, they give no thought to their spirit. Now, they think about their heart, what their heart wants. You know, if they go into a relationship or, or whatever, but the flesh ends up dominating that too. And it's with, there, without the Holy Spirit in you, without Christ in you, I, I think that to find that sacrificial love that you would look for in a relationship, I, I don't think you can have it without Christ because of the flesh dominating the spirit. It's all about what the flesh wants. And so you go do whatever it is you want to do trying to fill the need for your flesh. And that's that sinful nature. So carrying on. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to, but the evil I do not want that I do to do this I keep on doing. That's the flesh. That I'm, I can't begin to describe how powerful that the flesh is on its own. And to overcome the desires of the flesh, honestly, on your own, it's not possible. Paul, one of the greatest disciples that walked with Jesus, that wrote more than half of the New Testament, if he struggled, you can bet we're going to struggle. And maybe even more so. It's, it's uh, without, without Christ, it, there's just no way to overcome it. Now, what happens if, if after you accept Christ, over time it's a gradual process of submission where your desires change, where it becomes easier over time to turn when a temptation comes. But back to the, why does God allow sin? If he didn't allow sin, would you know him? In all honesty, would you know him? You wouldn't even have a need for him without the acknowledgement of sin. And that, would, that to me just seems so tragic. I mean, here you've got a God that created all of the universe, of all everything that ever was and ever will be, he created and he created me and he created each of us and we're all so beautiful in our own unique way and to think that one of us would be lost because of sin it, it just, that's just tragic but God knowing that all flesh was now condemned and the spirit is tied to the flesh so to speak while it's here in this body while the body lives and then after the body lives, the spirit is, is released. And because 
the spirit sought to serve the flesh. Now the spirit is condemned. And that's where God made a way. See, God sent his son in the flesh, just same as we are, flesh and spirit. And Christ Jesus lived a life, a perfect life, a life we can't live. He was able to overcome the flesh. And yet, he bore that for us on the cross. He took that upon himself. So he knows the struggles that we have. And he had to take it upon himself in the fullness of it. And for our behalf, he had, it was, it's the sacrifice that he made up for us. Carrying on, uh, verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. That's the flesh. The sinful nature because of Adam and Eve came upon every one of us from birth. Now carrying on 21. So I find this law at work. He calls it a law. You know how in physics and in science you have laws of mathematics. You have laws. Well, it's the same here in the spiritual realm. You have laws. And the law of nature applies here where you're in sin. You're born in sin. That's a law. It happens to everyone. It's unchangeable. No one is born free from it. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. That's his spirit. He knew Christ. And he delighted in the freedom that, that came with the knowledge of accepting Christ, of believing in Christ. And yet, he recognized the rebellion, the war between his spirit and his flesh. And he tried to dominate his flesh. He tried to take control of it. He just couldn't do it. And as we know, many of us know, he said, Lord, please take this from me. This thorn in the flesh that he, he said, please take it from me. And God said, no, you need to keep it because it keeps you humble. You know, it reminded Paul of, of the mercy of the Lord, of the beauty of God, of the salvation. And that's what sin serves to do. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But 23, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Sin making him a prisoner. Now, people will say, well, God, he sent, his, he sent Jesus so that everybody could be free. Yeah, that's true, he did. But before you can have the freedom that Christ offers, you have to believe in him. And before you can believe in him, you have to, as you believe in him, you, you acknowledge that you recognize your sinful nature. You recognize that there's nothing you can do to change it on your own. 
And even after you're saved, that sinful nature remains. But it remains here with the flesh. At, at, at what happens when you go and you recognize your sinful nature, that there's nothing you can do to control it. There's nothing you can do to change it. You can't take it out of you. So what do you do? You go to the Lord, you go to God, you go to the Lord, you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. You recognize you're a sinner. You say, I'm a sinner. I need your help. I need to change. I don't like this person, this evil inside of me. I don't like the selfishness. I don't like the greed. I don't like the lying. I don't like the stealing. I don't like the corruption within me. I want to be a better person. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. Lord, I need you. And you say, Lord, save me. Forgive me. And then, just like that, it's that easy that you believed and you're saved, you're forgiven. And the reason why God made it so easy for us is because of how, I think, because how easily, look how easily Adam and Eve corrupted all of creation, of man, kind anyway. Sin was in the earth when Satan fell to it. Now some people say, as I discussed last week, of all the places to send Satan, why did God send Satan to earth? Why did God made this earth perfect? It was beautiful. And why, why did God send Satan to earth? See, Satan wanted to be like God. And he wanted to set himself above God. And God lowered him, took him down, sent him to earth, cast him down to the earth. God knowing, being all-knowing, already saw, already knew, and already made a way for everything. And it pleased God that we should humble ourselves and come to Him. If, like I said before, if He didn't, if, if we, if He wasn't, if He didn't allow sin, we wouldn't even think of Him. We wouldn't even know him. There would be no need for this book. Without sin, I wouldn't know God. Without sin, I wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus. The most precious, most wonderful relationship I have in my life and will ever have is with Christ Jesus. And that's because I recognized that I was a sinner. Now, there are a lot of people out there who care not a bit, not at all, about their spirit. They think that when they die, their spirit just, just whatever, goes into darkness, goes into oblivion, whatever, I don't know. But the word of the Lord teaches us that death is appointed to all men flesh it's appointed to die once that's the physical death of the body and everybody knows that eventually one day sooner or later nobody knows when it's coming we're gonna die this body is gonna die but yet we're not dead we we're 
the spirit within us is not dead. It goes on. That's why it says it's appointed once to die. That's the judgment of the flesh. After this, the judgment. When the flesh died, that was the judgment of flesh. It's condemned. But then you've got the spirit that resided within that flesh. And that's going to be judged. And that's why you have this Peter, um, excuse me, Paul talks about this war waged against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He says, verse 24, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. That's what I've been saying. Paul said it first. And he got it from Jesus. But the point is, I'm just trying to help people understand the difference. It's not this body that's, you know, this body is going to, you're going to sin. You don't want to sin, especially after you've accepted Christ, because you know what he's done for you. What great, wonderful freedom he gave you. What joy fills your heart. How much more love you have in your life and peace in your mind. The whole world is in chaos. Your family may be in chaos. Your life, your work environment may be chaos. But yet you within here, because of the Holy Spirit within you, because of Christ, you have peace. That peace that passes understanding that we talk about, you have that because Christ paid the price so that your spirit can live when you believe in Christ the Holy Spirit comes into you that Holy Spirit comes into your spirit it doesn't come into your physical body heart you know what I'm saying it doesn't come into this this shell it comes into your heart and your spiritual heart and so anyways he recognizes that he's a wretched man And he says, who can save me? Who can rescue me? And he says in 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that sound like a God that doesn't love you? God, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus. If his grace didn't pour out in abundance upon you, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you wouldn't get to see the sunrise. You wouldn't get to enjoy the beach or the mountains or the blue skies or the rain. These things in this world, this creation that, that he gave us, all point back to him. And it's sad that there are a lot of people in the world that don't believe it don't care and they're believing a lie and Satan is whispering in many people's ears you you don't have to believe that this world's always been here it's always going to be here you ain't got to worry about that you know what happens after death everybody goes to heaven you lived a good life 
you were a good person. You didn't do any wrong, you know. So you told one little lie. So you lusted after that one person back in high school. But you've been a good person all your life, except for that. I can tell you right now, without a doubt, you're born of the flesh of the water, right? Even if you didn't commit a sin like that one, uh, I believe it's written in Matthew, the, the guy that came to Jesus and said, all these things I've done, he kept all the commandments. Even then, he was still, in, still a sinner. Even then, he did everything right. The Bible even says he could follow all the commandments. And even then, he was still a sinner. Why? What made him a sinner? Well, remember how Jesus said, go sell everything you own and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And he didn't want to when he was sorrowful because he had so much to give up. That was his flesh fighting against the spirit. His flesh wanted to hang on to all this stuff that he had. He didn't want to give it up. And so, you know, why did God allow sin? Because he loves you. I know that sounds counterproductive or whatever, but it's because he loves you. Because he wants to demonstrate his love for you. And did God create sin? No. But once sin was, then death came. Death followed it. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're doomed unless he makes a way for us. And that's why he sent the law, the law. He gave us the law. He gave us the commandments. Remember, he wrote them down for Moses on the tablets. Ten of them. But even then, you were still born in sin, even if you kept all of them. I, I, I wish that I knew the person that asks this question. I mean, this question comes up quite often. And there are answers and there's a depth to, to trying to figure this out. Why did God allow sin? It's, there's the mystery of God. You know, he says that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. We're not capable of understanding in the fullness of comprehension of God why he allows these things. But my short answer would be because he loves us. See, he, sin is in the world, which he allows. But he doesn't allow it. I said, it, I said that he doesn't, and he doesn't because there's a price to pay for it. But he uses it. That's what I should have said. He uses the sin to reveal himself to us, to reveal his son, Jesus, to us. See, before, what's coming in my mind now is I'm remembering that before creation, God knew each and every one of us that were ever going to be born on this earth. 
And Jesus said, my sheep hear know my voice, right? And Jesus said uh, in, in John 17, all that you've given me, I've, I've kept and none are lost, save the son of perdition. It's, I just don't know how to explain it well enough. I, I, I wish I could, but there's a mystery to God that I can't understand and I won't be able to understand until I get into his presence. But I can tell you, and I know this is going to sound weird, I don't thank God for sin. I, I don't, because sin is, it leads to all kinds of just messes in life, you know. It's because of sin we have divorce. It's because of sin that we have abortion. It's because of sin that we have war. It's because of sin that people are living in poverty. It's not the sin that made them poor, but it's sin that's keeping them there because, you know, you can, if, you, if, you're, if you're forgiven of your sin, how much easier is it to go to the poor and to give them a hand up? Even if you just give them a bottle of water, say, I love you. Give them a $20 bill and say, I love you. You know? But if you, if, if without, without, if with sin, you're going to be, you know, you have selfishness and greed and all these horrible things. And it just doesn't make life really feel like it's worth living after a while. I mean, children grow up in an abusive home and they don't know about sin yet you know and as they grow older they're like they get angry and they're like all of a sudden they start talking to god who they really never knew anything about but for some reason they find themselves saying god why did you allow me to live in that home and god in his mercy you know He's loving you where you're at. Do you think God wanted you to grow up in that environment? No. Do you think God wanted you to go through all of the pain and the hurt and the suffering of divorce or losing a loved one? No. He loves you. But he uses the sin of this world to reveal himself to us. And so, I'm not going to carry on. It's a, I really struggled all week, to be honest with you, with this subject. It seems like a simple subject. And the deeper I dug, the more, it was just a ginormous rabbit hole. And at some point, I had to stop and say, you know what? God's ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are above my thoughts. But I believe, personally, that he allows sin. He doesn't allow it. He uses sin to reveal his love for us. Now, if you're in a place where your heart knows that it needs 
to be forgiven. You recognize, there, I, golly jeez, man, I just wish I could just pour my thoughts out here. If your heart's being touched right now, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. surrendering your sin to him you realize that you can't do this on your own you realize that there's nothing you can do to keep you from having these lustful thoughts there's nothing you can do against the flesh you can't control the flesh you can you can over time but even then the most spiritual the most blessed the most saved person on the planet still sins and they hate it because they know what Christ Jesus has done for them they know how much God loves them and yet they're struggling but Christ Jesus paid the price Christ is the end of the law for all righteousness, for righteousness to everyone that believes. Is the end of the law. What law is that? Well, that's the law I spoke of earlier. The law that says all flesh is condemned to die. But the soul doesn't have to die with it. You know, I'm right, I know, somebody out there right now your heart is being touched. Your life has been in chaos. And you're overwhelmed. And you're crying out for help. And you're angry at God. And you're angry at the people in your life that have doing you wrong. And you might even be angry at yourself. For putting up with it. And you need freedom. And you, to you, it's just a, an, such, such a foreign concept. And you think that this is just the way that life is. And there is no hope. And you think that you're going to wake up tomorrow. And it might be different. But then you find out it's not. And then you go to bed that night. And you think maybe tomorrow will be different. And yet it's not. And over time it just becomes overwhelming. And you're like, I can't take this anymore. And you decide that life isn't worth living. Don't, don't kill yourself, please don't commit suicide it's not the answer it's not the solution Jesus Christ is the solution he loves you so so much that he came he was scourged he was beaten he was spat upon and he was crucified hung on a cross 
and he took upon him the sins of the world so that you can live, so that I can live. Christ said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He came to set us free. He made a way. Now the law that's spoken here is the flesh is going to die. That's the law. The spirit doesn't have to be go with it. And that's what Jesus came to set free was you, the spirit within your flesh. That's who you really are. I love each and every one of you. And if there if if I can help you, if I can pray for you, I would love to. If you'll reach out to us at divine.tv. Just tell us your prayer request. We'll pray with you. We'll talk to you about anything. I really hope and pray that you know how much Jesus loves you. How much God loves you. And I hope you open your heart to receive him. I can't begin to describe to you how much of a change it will make in your life. I really hope that you choose to follow Christ. I'm going to go ahead and ask us all to bow our heads and pray. And I'm going to go ahead and give the invitation. And then after which our wonderful worship team will come out and sing the last song. And I'm sorry I didn't explain this as well as I wanted to. But it's just such on my heart that you know you don't have to go the way of the flesh. I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. I want to see you in heaven. I want to give you a great big hug. I want to smile from here to here. I want to rejoice with you in the kingdom of God in heaven if you know that you need Christ Jesus if you recognize that you're a sinner in your heart with your mouth I just want you to say this simple beautiful prayer dear Jesus I need you. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. That I need your forgiveness. I believe in you. Please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my heart. Lord Jesus, help me to be more like you. Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Dear Jesus, right now somebody is sitting in this world, that's watching this, that's listening to this, their heart is burdened, Lord. Lord Jesus, their heart is breaking. And their flesh is telling them, Lord, you don't 
need to believe in Jesus. Your, their flesh is dominating them. And there's a war being waged within them, Lord. And the pressure of that conflict is breaking their heart. Lord Jesus, please set them free. Lord Jesus, please surround them with your angels. Please keep Satan away from them, Lord. May your voice, your still, small, loving voice get through. May they hear you tell them, I love you. May they receive you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, so much for the gift that you've given us. Thank you, God, for the son that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for letting us share your word and for telling others about you. When a lot of this world doesn't want to hear it, doesn't even want to allow it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way. And in your love-filled name, Jesus, I pray and give such great thanks. Amen. Thanks, guys. And up and join us for worship.
take this time to think about whoever's really on your heart. Use this, these next words that we're gonna sing to lift them up. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so thankful that you're here. We're so thankful that you're here. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. If nothing else today, what we learned is this. We can't save ourselves, can we? No matter how hard we fight, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we can't save ourselves. But Jesus can. You see, the penalty for sin is death, and we can waste our whole life trying to pay for that death on our own skin and on our own flesh. And we'll realize at the end that it could never measure up. But God loved us enough that he made a way. And because he made a way through his son, we could either receive Jesus's death as the payment for our sin, or we can waste our life trying to pay for our sin ourselves. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had anybody chasing your debt and you've ever been in debt to anybody and somebody's chasing your debt, you know that ain't no way to live. Only in Christ can we have freedom. Tracy shared with us that so well today. So if you're struggling and you're looking for freedom from whatever you're walking through, from whatever this life is throwing at you, please reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv. You can go to thevine.tv. There's a button you can click that says ask for prayer. Hey, you can shoot us a text message or phone call at 864-580-6698. We have a team of folks who want to walk through this season with you. And hey, maybe you've known Jesus for 20 years and you're still struggling. There's something you need to break free of today. We would love to talk with you today. Even after this service, we'll have folks that are available to talk and pray with you because Jesus died, John 10, 10, so that we could walk in the fullness of life and in freedom from sin. 
And speaking of that, next week, the question we're going to be answering is because of that freedom, we're told we're not supposed to waste that freedom, but instead use it to bring light into the darkness. Use it to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, knowing that we can run into the Father's arms at all times and make the name of Jesus famous. So next week, we're going to be answering the question that is the most sent in prayer request we have, and it's what is the meaning of life? And I can't wait to do that. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go have an awesome week, make plans to join us next week. We're going to be celebrating our three-year anniversary because God is faithful. So let's pray and let's go have an amazing week. Dear Jesus, thank you once again that you came, that you set us free from our sin, that you allow us to walk in that freedom, that no matter what we're walking through, Jesus, no matter what darkness we feel that we're in, you illuminate it. No matter what we're struggling with, no matter what we feel is chaining us down, that Jesus, you break chains, that you set us free, that you allow us to walk in freedom. And so, Jesus, whatever is weighing us down, I pray we would lay it at your feet and we would receive the freedom that only you give. And so, as we go about this week, Jesus, as you have given us freedom, let us freely share the freedom that is the hope that is found in you. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for allowing us to come into your presence. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week, and always remember, the best is still yet to come. Can't wait to see you next week.